0: Amen. Thank you all. Thank you all. I think there's a West Texas saying. I believe it's West Texas, maybe not, but it's a Texas saying. Says if uh, if that worship, if that doesn't light your fire, then your wood's wet, right? Right. So, amen. Thank you all. It's always a a joy to come and to really worship uh, before coming up here. Sometimes I get lost. I'm like, oh, I gotta go speak. So amen thank you so we're this is going to be kind of a continuation i want to encourage you if you have not joined uh one of our studies either on sunday at 7 or eight thirty um on wednesday nights it, they have just been a tremendous blessing um, and so i want to encourage you that you can always participate with that check with lisa get the The info about how to, and and it's an ongoing conversation. We talk about things and questions come up and it helps me kind of incorporate that into uh, the sermon or think about if we talked about it before. So I like these kind of series, these interactive series that uh, we are constantly going over because it's just one big long continuation. And so we're going to talk a little bit about something we talked about um, in the very first We hit upon it about busyness and about doing and how we get distracted. Our scripture is going to be somewhat familiar because I referred to it, but it's out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Listen for the word of the Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be done. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help. Martha, Martha, the Lord said, You are were, you were worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. This is the Word of God for the people of God." So we refer to this a little bit in the sense that we talked about Martha and we have this situation where Jesus has come to her house. And they're very excited. This is the, the rabbi that everyone's talking about. And they have come and, and they're very excited. And yet, uh, Martha is so busy in preparation. She's so worried and upset about getting everything just right. Because Jesus is here. Jesus is here. We have to prepare. We have things to do. We got a lot to do. Because Jesus is here. And it's a special occasion. We get to visit with Jesus. Well. That's fine, but she's so busy preparing, she's missing visiting with Jesus. She's so busy doing that she's missing the point. Remember back in the first chapter uh, when we talked about never forget the why. Don't ever forget the why we do what we do. Now, when we, sometimes when you preach this sermon and talk about Martha, people say, well, we gotta do things. And I'm not suggesting, and Jesus not suggesting, that doing is a bad thing, right? We have to do things in this world. We have to do things in ministry. We, in the church, things have to get done. So we, we have to do things, but the, the, the thing about this, the lesson that we have to learn is that we cannot forget the main point. The main point of church is our relationship with Christ, Our relationship with others and others relationship with Christ. That is the whole point of what we do and we've talked about it. I know we did when I was on Ash and Ash and we talked about it in some of our groups that it's so easy to get so busy in church that we forget the why. There's days that I've gone from 6 in the morning to 9 at night and felt like I didn't spend any time in the presence of Jesus. And so we have to remember the main point. It's about our relationship with Christ, our relationship with one another, and others' relationship with Christ. That's the main point. Jesus says in the Gospel of John that he wants us to abide with him, to be with him. He has that Gospel of John language I and you, and you and me, as I'm in him, and this abiding, almost trinitary language. But he wants us the whole point, why we were created. When someone says, well, why are we created? The answer is in the two greatest commandments, to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love one another as ourselves. We were, were created for relationships. And when we neglect those relationships because we're too busy doing, then we're missing the point. But Mary said, Jesus is here. I I don't know when I'll get this chance again. I'm just gonna sit at his feet and just bask in his presence. Don't have to say anything. I can just listen or we can just sit. You you notice that um, as I thought about this, that's really kind of a mark of a deep relationship that you can just sit with somebody. Think about that, I was thinking about my wife. We can just sit around for hours. She can do her computer, I could be watching TV, we could be reading. We don't have to say anything. Now you can only do that with people you really love. When you're with a stranger, you feel like you have to talk. If you were with somebody you didn't really know, it would be awkward just to sit there. But your spouse, you can sit there and not have to say anything. That's a sign of a deep relationship. I have to share this as a side, it reminded me of a joke from Everybody Loves Raymond. I moved down here and they show that all the time, they didn't show it up there, so I'm seeing all the classic episodes and I was thinking about this abiding and just sitting there and there's this one scene where Raymond is sitting with Deborah and they're being husband and wife, they're not saying anything, just she's reading, I think he's watching TV and they're just sitting in the silence And she all of a sudden goes, because this was referencing to something else that was going on, she goes, you know what I think? And Raymond says, if I say yes, do you still have to tell me? (laughs) I don't know, spouses might like the silence, but it is, really, it is a uh, sign of a deep relationship that you can just be in somebody's presence. And that's what Jesus desires. We understand that you have to do in life, and you have to do for family, you have to do in church, but the main point is being in relationship and being in the presence of the one you're in relationship with. But oftentimes I think doing, doing is one of the main distractions, one of the main obstacles in our relationship. And we just get so busy Doing that we forget to be in the present and just to sit we forget about the relationship And I think there's two main reasons one's kind of more psychological one's more theological That why why I would put forth why doing becomes such an issue the first one is more theological and it has to do with our sinful selfish nature because we always have to be on guard of that selfishness, that self coming back in play, even when we get in church. Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and the religious leaders about it all the time. But we, we have a tendency, once we maybe become Christian, once we start going to church, to want it to be about us, right? That's that self. Maybe we're going to church, maybe we found Christ, maybe we're living in relationship. But that self will creep up when we least expect it and try to take over. And we we begin to try to earn it, to be about works. You know, Paul teaches about we are not saved by works. It's not, we we can't do anything. But we want it to be about us, so we get busy and we start trying to make it about us with all the good things we're doing. You hear phrases that give away this bad theology, like, oh, and it, they're well-meaning, don't get me wrong, but, oh, uh, they were a really good person. I know where they're going, right? Or we say stuff like, oh, another, another uh, jewel in my crown. Well, that has nothing to do with it. It's not about how good you are, or how many works you do, because we can never do enough To be holy enough to be in the presence and relationship with a holy, selfless, loving God. But we begin to try to make it about us. We begin to try to earn it. We want to earn it. And so we always have to be on guard about self. And remember, we can't be good enough. We've talked about the law and how it reflects that. It Ephesians 2:8 says for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith through faith uh, not from yourself it is a gift of God not by works so that no one can boast But we kind of like boasting don't we We kind of like to hear about all the good stuff that we do and we start trying to earn this relationship with Christ. We start trying to earn our place in eternity with God. And Scripture tells us we can't. In fact, in the book, and the problem with that is, it's not just about about self. The problem with that is that when we try to earn it, religion becomes a burden. You know, we might do some works, but we're not going to be up at church uh, 24-7 We're not going to be completely selfless like Jesus. So we can do, and so after a while, maybe we can float on that, and that energizes us, these good works and the accolades we get. But after a while, it becomes unsustainable, and it becomes a burden. It becomes just another load upon us. And Reverend Dotson in his book says, If church feels forced and we're exhausted by it, he says, then I suggest you're doing it wrong. The church, when church becomes a I have to, instead of a, I want to, then we need to check our hearts. We need to check what, where we are. Or that means we're not spending enough time in the presence and we're just doing, constantly doing, over and over again, and we're just staying busy, but we're not in the presence. In Matthew 11, if you remember back to the first sermon, it says, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so what Reverend Dotson is suggesting is if we feel burdened, we need to have a soul reset. We need to have a soul check because we are, we are, we, we revert back. If we start making it about us and about works and earning it, we start living by the law. And the law puts pressure on us It weighs us down. That's what Jesus was referring to in Matthew 11, when he says, my burden is light. He's talking about the burden he's bringing with grace to take over the law, because the the burden of the law is overwhelming. We might be able to do works and live in it to a certain degree, but we're always gonna fall short. And when we, we begin to fall short, it becomes a burden and we begin to be weighed down. In Matthew 23, Jesus says, to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful not to do everything they tell you, but do not, but do, not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on their, the people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And then Jesus goes on through 23 and starts telling all the religious leaders all the things they're doing. And it has to do with burdening the people with the law and weighing it down. And that's the good news of the gospel. That's what Jesus came to do to free us from the burden of the law because we can't live into it, to free us from the burden of our sin and our guilt to make us, to heal us, to refresh our souls, to nurture and sanctify our souls. And so it should be a refreshing, but in this world, this world is not heaven. And so in this world, we will fall into, back into old habits if we're not careful. And one of those is living by the law. But it is the warning sign when it becomes a burden, when it becomes to seem like I have to, if you wake up and say, oh, I have to go to church, the board to say, all right, then something's wrong. So you, you need to check. That's a warning light coming on that maybe I've crossed over into works and busyness and doing and law. Because it should be, I don't have to go to church, I get to go worship. I get to go praise God. I get to go uh, get my soul lighter, be refreshed, be revived, so I can come back into the world and shored up and ready to go. But this is when Christianity fails. This is when it's no longer attractive to the world, when it just becomes legalistic. And, oh, we're, we're very legalistic. You know, oftentimes when you say, oh, that's a legalistic church. We think about brimstone and fire and uh, law, don't do this, don't do that, and that's, that is a legalistic church, but legalistic church comes in all forms and fashion. right? A very progressive social justice church can live by the law, they just have a different law. And you know if you don't live into that or, or agree with everything one side or the other's doing, then you become judged and condemned That's a law church. You should feel free and loved. Think about, (laughs) I was starting to think about this, and and think about before we even get to the heavy stuff, say there's some person that they just had a tough life, and the Lord's stirring in them, and they just have a lot of regret and hurt, and they're just built up, and boy, but the Lord's stirring, and so they're thinking, I'm going to go to church. There's something to this. And they get to the church and they try a couple different churches. They walk into one church and, oh, it's only contemporary. It's only contemporary. That's the only way to worship. Oh, okay. You walk into another church. Oh, yeah, we don't do that here. That's not the way you worship. Walk in one church. Oh, we lift our hands. You're not really worshiping to lift your hands. Oh, you don't, we don't lift our hands. Listen to, I mean, the list goes on. I have a long list I could bore you with. I, I started having fun with this when I was driving. We got a long list of laws that people that are really hurting, really searching for healing and wholeness, and you come in and they got to deal with all this and they don't know what to do, then you're just like, I'll oh, forget it. It's gotta be, they got to feel the love and the presence, the forgiveness, the grace of God. There's an old joke about this guy, when it talking about very legalistic church. And this guy, he was, had a tough life on the streets, and he happened into a, uh, a revival, tent, old tent revival. And boy, that preacher started preaching, and that Holy Spirit just pierced his heart, and he came up, and he was saved. And they baptized him right there. And the, the, it was a good revival preacher. He said, now go find yourself a good church. And he didn't know. I mean, he just came off street. He just found the Lord. He was fired up. And so he went to the first whatever church, first, first church that he always passed downtown, the big one. He said, that looks like a good church. So he walked in, and he didn't know the law that in church you don't sit in the front row. So he went down to the front row, right? And he went down to the front row, and he sat on the front row, and that preacher started preaching because it was the first, first, first church. So they had a good preacher. And he started preaching the word, and boy, he was good. And he uh, would hit a truth, and that guy would stand up and say, Praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. They have made contact. Okay. I just want to note, I checked my batteries this time, so I, I did. So, so he was doing that, and a guy in a nice suit, usher comes down and says, excuse me, sir, we don't do that here. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just so excited that I've saved, I've just got saved, i found the Lord, I can just feel the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll try and control myself. And so, preacher started preaching. He said, another truth just pierced his heart. He got, yes, Jesus, hallelujah, praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here comes that guy, suit. Comes down and says, excuse me, sir. I told you we do not do that here. He said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm just so excited at my new life and my life with Christ that I'll try and control myself. Well, said, guys get a little irritated. You know what happens. Happened again. Preacher was preaching. He got a truth that just pierced him. Hallelujah, praise God, thank you That guy come down, now he's mad. He said, sir, I told you we don't do that here. He said, I'm sorry, I just found Jesus. He goes, well you didn't find him here, so sit down and shut up. Now, in some ways, that's not so much a joke. Because some churches, if you're living by the law, You might not find Jesus there. And we don't want to be one of those churches. And we don't want to live by works, because that's hard. You might get away with it for a while, but in the end, you're going to fall short. And it's going to become a burden. And it's going to weigh you down. And the last, the second reason... If we're honest with ourselves, it's more psychological is that sometimes we just want to stay busy doing stuff because we don't want to spend time with Jesus. Because we don't want to look at ourselves. We don't want to look in and maybe see some stuff we don't want to see. Because Jesus, he's going to show us some stuff because he's about true healing. And if he's about true healing, then you got to get down to the dirt of the matter. And you gotta search your soul, and you gotta find those things, remember, that are clogging you up. And sometimes we just don't wanna deal with that. And so we just stay busy. Just doing, doing, doing. Because we don't wanna get to the heart of the matter. But we have to. That's where it all starts, right? To confess our sins. To look within ourselves and say, what do I need to give to Jesus? What did he go to the cross for? How can he heal me and cleanse me? It's like like setting a bone, right? If you have a a fracture and you got to get it fixed, it's going to get worse before it gets better. You got to set it. But in those times, some people, you wouldn't say, I'm not going to do that. Well, if you don't, it's not going to heal right. You're going to have more problems. So, All right, all right. I'll go through it to get better. In the same way, we got to go through the cross before we get to the resurrection. we got to die to ourselves before we find true life. And so we have to spend some time, even though it might be hard at first, it's going to be worth it in the end. We have to spend time with Jesus. And so through this pandemic, and I know going back to school, I just urge you, urge you to spend some time with Jesus. Stop doing for a while and spend some time. Let Jesus speak to you. Let Jesus open your heart. Let Jesus convict you if you need it. But in order to do that, you have to spend time in his presence and stop doing and rest and find rest for your souls. As we go into communion, let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that we would slow our pace. Lord, that we would find some time to just sit in your presence, to just hear your word. Lord, time without any intention, without any goal, but just being in your presence. Just start praying, just start reading, just start visiting, but just to be in your presence and let your Holy Spirit work, shape, mold, comfort, Give us peace, lighten our load. Lord, I pray as we come into communion that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds that we might see you and feel you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.